Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. What we need to watch out for is orthodoxies. What's happening today is this. Whoever it may be, whether you look at it as political or not, it really doesn't matter, but for how I, how I look at it is antichrist and antichrist spirits. And what happens is, is orthodoxies get set up. I'll give you an example. Transgender is an orthodoxy. Well, right now, the orthodoxy is you will pretend that a male is a female, and if you don't, you're a racist, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe, and you're anti-transgender people. And by the way, let me just tell you, I am anti-transgender. Oh, does that mean you don't love? Listen, I'm gonna tell you this in the message in just a minute. But God, for, listen, God loves everybody he doesn't forgive. I love all of those people and I want them to be saved, but me telling them that they are a girl when they're a guy is not helping them. It is not loving. But what happens is they set up an orthodoxy. Well, here we have a 99.9% survival virus. But you will act like it's the bubonic plague dose. You will do that. Otherwise, you're trying to kill grandma and you don't have compassion. It's all lies. The virus, the virus's uh, deadliness is a lie. The response to it is a lie. The guy pretending that he is a girl is a lie. And the response to it is also a lie. You don't buy into lies to call yourself a Christian lover of humanity. You don't do it. You stand. Well, that means the liberal members of my family won't like me. Welcome to the freaking club. They don't like me either. The members of your own household will be your enemies. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Who is speaking there? That can't be, that can't be bongo playing, tie-dye wearing Jesus. All accommodating, all, all tolerant, modern, progressive art church Jesus? Absolutely not. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and the easy, easiest one of all, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. That's not hard. <laughs> a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. That's why you have in Matthew 13, 57 and 58, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. You're, just because your family members think that you're transphobic, it doesn't mean that you're not loving. It means you're actually more loving. Wear those badges with honor. When they call you intolerant, when they call you transphobic or homophobic, See, I'm not, I'm not, uh, phobic means I'm scared. You really honestly think I'm scared of a man who's dressed like a woman? 
who's changed his name from Bill to Barb, it really doesn't matter. I'm not scared at all. Phobic means scared. I'm not scared. I'm anti-stupid. I'm not going to, can, I mean, can you imagine? I know I've been talking about this for weeks, but I can't get it out of my head. Bill Thomas, that's Leah Thomas, by the way, fully penised male. I have now that, if penis bothers you, I don't know what to tell you. You shouldn't have your kids in here. That's why we have a children's church. I'm telling you. But fully penised Bill Thomas. William Thomas is Leah Thomas's real name. And by the way, he's fully male. Totally and completely fully male. And I can't imagine being a parent of one of those girls in the pool and clapping. You know what's funny is, I didn't get to this on the podcast last night because I talked too much. But what's funny is ESPN had a moment of silence to protest the don't say gay bill in Florida, which is of course a lie. It's got nothing to do with speaking uh, the name gay or the word gay. It has to do with, you know what, maybe we ought not to teach third graders about anal sex. You know, I don't know about you, but I think that, I think that Ron DeSantis hit that nail on the head. You know, I think he got that one right. So they have, so you, some of you are thinking, what, what, you're new here, you're new, you're going, I can see your faces. And I'm like, you're like, what did I walk into? You, don't worry, I'll get to the Bible in just a minute. Really, all of this is about the Bible. You, you won't hear more Bible verses than any other church service in Florida, you won't. But they have their moment of silence to protest it. And what's so funny is, who, who owns ESPN? Disney, well they just had a mass arrest of child traffickers, and many of them were, de were Disney employees. Polk County just happened. So I think it's funny because they even said on ESPN, we're coming into you know, co uh, cooperation with our di fellow Disney employees, in pro because Disney's in Florida, in protesting the don't say gay bill. And then Disney employees got arrested for sex trafficking kids. Whoops, isn't it strange? Isn't it oddly odd that everybody who wants to, for some reason, why do they wanna talk about anal sex with a second grader, and then lo and behold, those exact same people are then arrested for trafficking children? Strange, because all those Disney employees came out against the don't say gay bill. Isn't it strange? What's, what, what is being attempted in our culture is the normalizing of sexual relationships with children. That is what's being attempted. That it's being forced down your throat using orthodoxies. Whether it's COVID, whether it's transgender, where you are made fun of, you are maligned, your bank accounts are canceled, you're castigated, you lose your job. It's all used so that they can usher in their globalist, perverted agenda, and it's called the Antichrist. It's called Beast One and Beast Two. But we in the church must stand. You cannot be afraid. 
If you see, what do you, well, what do I do, Tom, when my transgender cousin tells me that he has changed his name from Bill to Sheila? You look him in the eye and say, listen, Bill, I can't do that. I see the compromising people on the right. Well, you know, if that's what they want to be called. No, I'm not going to lie to people. You ever read the book of Revelation? But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the idolaters, sexually immoral sorcerers, the abominable, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The only one, look at that list, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, the only one with all in front of it is liars. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. I don't want any part of that. I know that without Jesus, that's where I'd be swimming for all of eternity. I want no part of that because I've escaped. I'm not going to start telling people things that are true that are not. If they're not true, they are not true. It's not loving. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It rejoices. Sex. That's what we do. If, you're, if, you're, if, if they present an orthodoxy before you, you speak the truth to that orthodoxy. You're like, this is, wait till we get into the Christian orthodoxies in just a minute. You're amen and now. I'll lose a portion of you because there's a portion of you that will choose your orthodoxy over the Bible. Don't do it. But if I, if I do that, if I choose the Bible instead of my orthodoxy, instead of the portrait that I carry around for everybody to see, then I'm exposed. You're already exposed. God looks right to the heart. God does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks right to the heart. 1 Samuel 16, 7. There's no point hiding it anyway. If it's the Bible, it's true. And I'm going to violate some of your Christian orthodoxies today. See how quiet it got? Because you're scared. Wait. You ready? It's 11.02. We got 58 minutes to go. So we saw this week, 30,000 child or juvenile under the age of 18 COVID deaths. 30,000 COVID deaths stricken from the record from the CDC. Rochelle Walensky, CDC. Suddenly, 30,000 child COVID deaths gone. Why? Because they said there was a coding error. It's funny how they've discovered the coding era two years into 15 days to flatten the curve. And after they spent the last 18 months using those numbers to pimp and whore vaccines to children. If you're somebody in here and you're vaccinated, listen, you can be offended all you want. You need to be prayed over now in Jesus' name. If the Spirit leads me, I will open these altars. Why was this done? Well, there's an interesting case in Washington, D.C. that just got one by the right. 
Minor Consent for Vaccination Act, which was in place in D.C. where your kids, a 12-year-old, could get vaccinated without his parents' consent. That was fully in place. And I can't remember the man's first name, but his last name is Big Tree. Dell? Thank you. What is it? Is it D-E-L? Okay, Dell Big Tree. He just won the lawsuit. Follow him on Twitter, follow him on social media. He just won the lawsuit and overturned that act. Do you see? Do you see how dangerous the baby butcherers are? Tom, this is all politics, not church. Really? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and I am speaking about human life, and that's not the Bible for you? That was the Bible, that's John 3, 16 and Jeremiah 1, 5. I'm talking about human life. Can you imagine being a parent whose 13-year-old went and got talked into a vaccination by their parent, the kid ends up with chest pains and shortness of breath, and you have no idea what's going on? Nobody even told you? Don't think it's not happening, because it is. But that just got overturned. We are winning. I'm telling you the truth. We are turning this thing around, but you need to watch these demons. Austria just reinstituted all of their COVID mitigations. All of them have held on to their emergency powers, including the Senate in the United States voted to extend the Emergencies Act or whatever it is that it's called. It was all along party lines for COVID-19 because we are in a, oh, to, to, to continue the state of emergency that we're in. They're all holding on to it. Justin Trudeau and all of the rest of the World Economic Forum people. And if you don't know about the World Economic Forum, you don't know the Bible. You need to be paying attention. This is not politics. This is the parable of the 10, 10 versions. Do you have oil in your lamp? Are you ready? You need to be, or are you gonna be five of the 10 going, hey, could you get us some of your oil? No, I'm not going to hell for you. Jesus did that for you. He went to hell for you, either glom onto it or not. That's up to you. 205th so far, 2021 in comparison to the average of 2014 through 2019. Weeks 14 to 52. 2021 has 259,596 extra anomalous deaths. Those are what they code, trust the CDC with their coding, that's what they code as natural deaths. 259,000, so basically a quarter of a million more people are dying now in the United States than in 2019. Those are anomalous deaths. Just so you know, just as, a, just as an example, there's 200 excess malignant neoplasm deaths per week in the United States. Cancer deaths per week. Suddenly, 2021 in comparison to all these other years. What, what is that, what's the extra thing? What was added? What was added to the equation? And here's an interesting one, and the last thing I'll tell you for my COVID up, update. Non-natural deaths. Deaths caused by human hands. What's, what's the average? We're up. If you compare 2021 
With 2014 through 19, we're up 79,000 deaths. Where do you get these stats from? They are from the ethical skeptic who, who extracts all CDC information and puts it on graphs. It's very easy to read. CDC can't say a word. They can't even take them down from Twitter because it's CDC graphs. So basically, you have 80,000 extra murders in our country. Why? Because human beings are not meant to be locked down. And the other thing is human beings are not meant to lie. Human beings are not meant to sit there and act like something's real that's not. They all know these things aren't real. They all know they're not real. Everybody's standing around the pool while Bill Leah Thomas swims the 500 meters and destroys all previous women's records. <laughs> this is the funniest thing. I'll close with this on the COVID update and my orthodoxy update and this update and that update. As I saw an awesome meme and it said, motorcyclists identifying as a bicyclist entered into all the bicycle races and crushing all previous records. I mean, what's gonna stop somebody? What's gonna stop somebody from, I mean, you gotta say a 32-year-old guy in here says, I identify as a 12-year-old girl and goes and dominates the YMCA basketball league. Man, that dude's dropping 50 a night. Yeah, the dude is. Oh, it'll never get up that, it'll never get that absurd. Really, they told us 15 days to flatten the curve two years ago. It will get that absurd. What does the Bible say? This is what the message is about. What does the Bible say about sin? What is sin? Sin's very important. The word is rarely used in any other church, but this one and the few remnant gospel preachers that are out there. But what does the Bible say about sin? And you need to take this from more than one angle, not just for you, but what you should be espousing about sin. What should you be telling your kids about sin? What should you be telling your family about sin, let alone how you should be dealing with sin? Let's look. We know what the progressive church says. We know what the, the modern, liberal, progressive church says. They say that sin's a life lesson. Is sin a life lesson? It's absolutely not a life lesson. It says, you know what, they, we use, they, they use, not we use, they use terms like, you know what, be grace conscious, not sin conscious. Whenever you hear a term that's not in the Bible, reject it. No, we don't wanna be sin conscious. Who told you that? When basically the entire New Testament has to do with dealing with one's sin and then you put out a statement of be, be grace con conscious, not sin conscious. You should be very conscious of sin. The church renames it, they call it failure. Those are two very different things. You can be a failure and go to heaven. You cannot be a sinner and go to heaven. Tom, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How many Christians are in here? Shout amen. amen. God doesn't call you a sinner any longer, so you're not a sinner. 
It's all been washed away. I mean, do we ever read the Bible? Psalm 103, 12, as far as, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. It's gone. Your sin is no longer attributed to you. It's gone. Walk like it. We hear terms like, well, you know, there's no sin too big enough that God will not forgive. That's a lie. That's not in the Bible. You ever read Hebrews chapter six? Whoops! There's no, there's no sin too big that God will not forgive. Don't shout amen, please don't. But how many Christians believe that they're eternally secure? That's not in the Bible. That is one of the biggest heresies that has ever been perpetrated on the church. To tell people, you know what, I got saved when I was 11. I'm gay now, living with a man. Thank God I'm eternally secure. And I use an extreme example. It can be a non-extreme example, a more societally acceptable example. I got saved when I was, I was 12, but I'm, right now I'm married with children but addicted to pornography. Thank God for eternal security. No, you're going to hell too. Tom, this is not a very graceful message. No, it's a Bible message. People are going to be absolutely shocked on the day of judgment when they found out that their orthodoxies were wrong. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Yeah, but we ordered all that graphic art for all of our programs at the church. We got our wiggly flags out on the road. Got the guy out there dancing with a sign. Come in and we preach everybody lukewarm heresy that sends everybody straight to hell, but the building is full. See, you're the maniacs. You are, I am. You're crazy for wanting to hear the truth. You're crazy. What, is it, what does the progressive church say about sin? Well, it conflates it with God's love. Listen to this now. They say that God not forgiving you means God doesn't love you. So if you dare say someone is not forgiven, then they say, no, you're forgiven because God loves you. Then the whole world is saved then? See, all you have to do is use very simple logic. But they won't do it. Again, it's just like a COVID orthodoxy. It's just like a trans orthodoxy. It's the same spirit. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. 2 Corinthians 2.11. God, God not forgiving you equals God not loving you. God could never not forgive you because he loves you. That's preached in the modern church. Incorrect. Thereby making every sin forgiven because it equates his forgiveness with his love. His love and his forgiveness are mutually exclusive. You can be loved by God and go straight to hell. Where do you get this from? I'll show you. 
His love is a constant, they tell you. Therefore, his forgiveness is a constant too. They're the same people that preach to people that God is not mad at you. Here, I'll do it in my favorite art voice. God's not mad at you. God's not angry at you. Are you sure? How many parents are in here? Shout amen. You ever been mad at your kids? Where did that emotion come from? You won't say it, everybody's scared to say it. Anger comes from God, it's his creation. You're welcome. Everyone's so afraid. Listen, you just gotta be like me and be like, who cares? Who cares? My reputation's gone. His love is a constant, therefore his forgiveness is a constant. No, that's not true. Get ready now, I'm gonna use a blasphemous term inside of the modern church. His love is unconditional. Oh, amen, amen, glory to God. Let's play some more music. His love is unconditional. But his forgiveness is conditional. Tom, you just used the word conditional inside the church, but the orthodoxy inside of the church is everything is unconditional. Well, let's use simple logic again. Is everything unconditional to you? So let me just ask you, can I just walk into your house today? Walk in, open your fridge. So entrance to your house is what? But inside the church, you're not allowed to use that term. It's just like all the people who say, I submit to no man. You ever, I've, heard, I've had two people say that to me in the history of this church when I told them they need to be submitting to pastoral authority. Doesn't have to be me, go pick somebody you like. <laughs> I submit to no man. Both of them pay their taxes. Both of them have gotten speeding tickets. So in order to get a speeding ticket, you had to submit to authority to have that police officer write you that ticket. So you're a liar. I submit to no man. No, you're just the same fool that preaches unconditionality inside of the church. It's lies again, orthodoxy lies. His love is unconditional. He loves every soul right now, currently burning in hell. Loves them all. And that brings comfort to people. Is that how you're gonna feel about your own children? You know people, people, you know how people lose their kids in Christianity? You know how you lose your kids? You probably think, Tom, your, your kids probably hate Jesus because look at you. No, my kids are both solid believers. And I told them from day one about going to hell. At two. But you didn't do that, did you? And look at yours. Because you actually painted an unbiblical picture. You took away the fear of the Lord and the sharpness of the word of God. And you made the gospel unattractive. Believe it or not, the harder you preach it, the more attractive it is. Otherwise, what are you winning them to anyway? Well, I won them to the abundant this and the coast that church where most of those people are sleeping with their girlfriends and going straight to hell. 
You've won them to that. You've won them to some sort of false orthodoxy church. I told my own kids, you were like, you never spank your kids with potty training. I don't see that in here. You're like, Tom, are you really that simplistic? Yeah, that's simplistic. That, oh, you don't, wait, you know, you should, you should use wisdom. It's a pandemic. Take your pandemic, turn it sideways, and shove it up your own caboose. I will go with the word of God. Whatever I bind is bound. Whatever I loose is loosed. I will stick with that. You don't, you don't spank kids during potty training. I do. I told you to not poo-poo in your pants. Is there poo-poo in your pants? As soon as we clean that up, there will be my hand on the outside of your pants. Boom, hitting your butt cheeks. You ain't... How many of your kids have ever lied to you? What do you do? You bust out Revelation 21.8, the one I just read to you, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone. And my four-year-old, oh, I don't want to go to hell. Good. I just preach the gospel. See, a lot of you think that's radical. That's why you're not clapping. But you need to ask yourself, what's the status of my children? Ask yourself. If you're, listen, if you've proven me wrong, then great. But have you? I see most Christian families, I repeat that four-letter word, most, most Christian families lose their kids because they're uninterested in mom and dad's Christianity because it's not quick, it's not powerful, it's not sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's what people want. They don't want swarmy art church messages. They may act like that's what they want, but just like a fat person like me wants to be thin, down deep inside, yes, I'll probably give in to the candy instead, but down deep inside, I wanna be thin. So you tell them what it takes to be thin. No candy for you. It's not what I want to hear, but it's what I need to hear. God can and is perfectly willing to not forgive. Where do you get that from, Tom? Well, let's look. He will not forgive those he loves. But the church conflates love and forgiveness as if in order to be loved, you have to be forgiven. And in order to be forgiven, you have to be loved. No, they're mutually exclusive. Let's look, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved who? The world. It's also backed up in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 6, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So we see God died for those he potentially could save. And so he loves the entire world. 
But his forgiveness is conditional. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For narrow is the way. Narrow is the way and few will find. Let me read the whole verse. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to salvation, that leadeth, that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be with, that will find it. God so loved the world, though. God so loved the world. Enter ye in at the straight gate. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So his love is unconditional, but his forgiveness is a straight and narrow gate. His love is a wide gate that, that encompasses all of humanity. But his salvation welcomes all, but includes very few. Well, Tom, that's the world's relationship with God, not the Christian. Let's look. Ephesians chapter 5, 2 through 7. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Everyone say amen. Amen. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Amen. Strike up the band. What's the next verse? But fornication. Look how the Bible violates all modern Christian orthodoxies. It goes from grace and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma, amen. And then the next two words are but fornication. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Not once, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving him thanks. God is not about lists, Tom. Really? Are you sure? God is not about a list of do and do's and don'ts. How many of you have been taught that in church? How many of you taught your kids that? He's not a list of do. I certainly see a list of don'ts. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become a saint's. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. That seems like a very long list, but it, it, the list isn't even over. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Woo, thank goodness that's not having anything to do with me, because that's the world. Nope. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. What partaking of what? Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. To the Christian, be not ye therefore partakers with them. Sure about eternal security? Certainly isn't in the Bible. I don't find those two words anywhere in the Bible. 
Not to mention two, three, let's see. Hebrews chapter five, 11 through 14 is entitled what? Warning against falling away. Second Thessalonians chapter two is entitled what? The great falling away. First Timothy chapter four is entitled what? The great falling away. Do you see the orthodoxy? It's no different than COVID. We shall pretend that a 99.9% .9 survivable virus is an existential threat to humanity. You will believe it or you're a grandma killer. You have verses and verse after verse, chapters after chapters, titled Falling Away, but you shall believe the orthodoxy that you can never lose your salvation or you're unloving and unforgiving and you're sin conscious, not grace conscious. People are gonna be shocked when they're judged by the word of God. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Works-based salvation? Repentance is belief. This I preached about probably a month and a half ago, so I'm only gonna go into it briefly. But another thing the church does is it conflates sin with carnality. Understand something, all sin is carnal, but not all carnality is sin. Tom, that sounds awfully soft. It's not soft, it's the Bible. If it's too soft for you, you're too hard. If it's too hard for you, you're too soft. You can be a selfish, arrogant person and go to heaven. Mix in fornication? No. That sounds awfully legalistic. That's because you're unbiblical. You have created your own form of idolatrous Jesus. But you'll be judged according to Jesus himself. For the Father, what does this mean? You ever, you ever look at John 5, 22 and 23? For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. That all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Most assuredly, I say unto you, he who hears my words and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed from death into life. That's John 5, through 24. He says, the father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the son. Well, the son is the word of God. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the father, the word, and the Holy Spirit. This will be what judges you. It's also in John 12, 48. Jesus says, the words that I have spoken will judge you in the last day. It's not me being mean. It's me trying to save you. Many of you are amen because you're on board, but there's a few people in here, I guarantee you, you need to repent. Even though you wear the label of Christian, or you need to repent of how you preach about sin. Quit being so grace conscious and preach the word. I'll give you an example of what happens when the church conflates carnality with sin. At least it wasn't loud. Some of you couldn't hear it, cell phone going off. What happens when you see carnality?
I usually would hate if you guys did that, but I actually like that. It was cool. <laughs> Carnality are things like, you know what? I'm moody. Any moody people in here? Okay. Carnality is moody. Now, you shouldn't be moody. I don't care about your Irish heritage. I don't care what time of the month it is. You work on it, you fix it. I'm talking from a moody perspective. I am not Mr. Sunshine. I've only met a few sunshine people in my life and you're probably not it. If you're wondering, meet me at the door. I have to know you for a little while, but I'll be outside hugging necks today. You can go, Tom, am I a sunshine person? No. My wife's not a sunshine person. My daughter's not a sunshine person. My son's not a sunshine person. Those are people just inherently happy all the time. They're very rare and most of you think that you are or not. Ask your spouse. So when you conflate carnality like moodiness with porn, well, you know, I'm more, you know, they conflate carnality with sin. So they call sin a process just like carnality is a process. Sin is not a process to be gotten rid of. Sin is to be gotten rid of now. It's not a process. The renewing of your mind is a process. Sin is to be gotten rid of right now. So, but when the modern church conflates the two and they make them both a process, well, you're working on your moodiness and I'm working on my lying. No, the moody one's going to heaven and the liar's going straight to hell, both believing they're going to heaven because they're all part of the process. Sin is very different than carnality. I need to stop being a selfish jerk, but you can be a selfish, selfish, stupid, ignorant, all those things and go straight to heaven. You mix in liar or fornicator, you're going to hell. They're not a process. Sin is not a process. It's to be repented of now. Selfishness, God will burn out of you as you pray, Bible study, worship, and fellowship. And you make those little corrections. You'll be tempted today to be carnal. Your wife will say something, your husband will say something, the very first thing you wanna do is go, <sighs> carnal. That's what needs to be worked out. You go to heaven that way. You have a miserable life, but you'll go to heaven that way. I mean, look, at again, I, I know I've used this verse now twice, but let's look at it again. Revelation 21.8, let's just use this list of sin. If you want other lists of sin, you can find them. God's not a, a God of, of lists. Yes, he is. 1 Corinthians 6.9, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and now Revelation 21, 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death, right? Where's Moody in there? Where's selfish? Where's lousy husband? Where's lousy wife? Where's smart mouth? Those are all carnal and will make your life miserable and lead you to sin. It'll all lead you to sin. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not yourself, attends only to evil doing. Fret not yourself. That's Psalm 37, eight. Fret not yourself, attends only to evil doing. Worry 
is not sin, it's carnal. Worry's not in there. Do you see the difference? But they conflate the two. So both of them lose their sting, but mainly sin. And that way the devil wins again. And the most popular method of communication about sin inside the church is what? Never talk about it. I challenge you, watch most, if you want to flip through, and you're, you can, you know, whatever it's called now, TiVo is what I call it all the time, record off your TV. Watch the messages. Take a Sunday and record a bunch of them and watch them and see if anybody talks about sin. And if they do, watch them soft pedal it and call it failure. So again, I ask this. We've got 25 minutes to go. Everybody good? Yeah. Are you sure? Because yeah. I'll shorten it up. No, I won't. Got bathrooms everywhere. Take your breaks. Do what you got to do. Again, this is a two. This is a roughly two-hour service. This is nothing in comparison to what a lot of you grew up in. Two hours is when the message would start. So again, I ask you, what does the Bible say about sin? Sin is minimized, and it's minimized on purpose. But what does the Bible say about sin? I separated this into three categories and we'll go over these three categories and then we're gonna call it a day. This is for everyone and including the world. This is what the Bible says about sin to everyone, including the unsaved and the saved. Romans chapter two, verse five. But accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, your unrepentant heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the, in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. That's mean. You know how this, you know how this chapter starts? It starts, of course, with Romans 2.1. You therefore have no excuse. You pass judgment on someone else. For at, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you have passed judgment, do the same things. You thought at first you were all set, didn't you? You therefore have no excuse. You pass judgment. You're like, told you, you can't judge anybody. Oh, yes, you do. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things. 1 Corinthians 2.15. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment, John 7, 24, Jesus speaking. You don't judge when you're doing the same things. If you're living with your girlfriend, stop being disgusted by homosexuals. Why? Does, does it delineate in scripture, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 18 and 19? The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. That's actually 6.13. Then 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Does it say homosexual sex, heterosexual sex, pornography? No, it just says sex. So stop being disgusted if you're a sexual sinner too. Say nothing until you're all done having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse six. See, I can balance some judgment stuff in there too. But in accordance with your hardness and impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourself wrath in the day of wrath in revelation of the righteous judgment of God, God is speaking to us about sin. Romans chapter two, six through nine. God will give to each person according to what he has done. 
Listen to this now. Tom, this sounds so religious. Do you see what the modern church has turned you into? The modern church has turned you into an idol worshiper, and the idol is you. This sounds so religious. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That's the Bible. That's what's coming in Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15, the great white throne judgment. That's what's coming. So get into conformity with it now, even if it violates your theology. Because your theology, if it violates this, is wrong. This is why the entire church caved. In March of 2020, the beginnings of two years of 15 days to flatten the curve. If you don't, if you don't get sin down, this is actually spoken of in Luke chapter 12, verse 26. If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? If you can't cover sin, if you can't understand what God says about sin, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst, Paul wrote. 1 Timothy 1.15. The whole purpose of salvation is to eradicate your sin and you can't get that down, then will you be able to understand what to do with the disease? You won't. Romans chapter two, verse 10. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. That's so religious. That sounds so workspace. It's the Bible. I'll explain this to you briefly. Because those of you that have attended this church for a while have heard this exposition a couple times. Your obedience is belief. People say repentance is a change of mind. That's correct. Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Proverbs 16.3. To change your mind is to change your actions, not the other way around. Everybody always preaches, change your mind, change your actions. No, it's change your actions will change your mind. So if you never change your actions, you never even attempted to change your mind. Therefore, you never even attempted to repent. Therefore, you are not saved. Therefore, you do not believe. That's the truth. That's how you'll be judged. That's the word of God. So that's for the world and for all of us. So now let's talk to the fake Christians. Tom, how dare you say things like that? Because there's fake Christians. There's fake Christians in this room. I don't want you to be. I love you. I hope you change. The book of 1 John was written to you. People will, will see verses in 1 John and say, you see, God never knew them. Therefore, you see, once saved, always saved, or if saved, always saved. No, the book of John is very specific for false Christians. The book of Hebrews is for apostate Christians. You see the difference? There's people who are never saved, and then there's people who got saved and fell away. There is a difference. 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. 
If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. So if you never turn from your sin, you're a liar, calling yourself a believer. That's the gospel. It's backed up in 1 John 2, 26. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. People will soft pedal this so that you continue to fill the pews because their life is about ministerial success, not souls. I'd rather win one soul than have a thousand, two thousand people attending that are lost. One soul's worth more than that. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. This is him speaking about sin. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, yet walk in sin, we lie and do not live by the truth. Look at this tapestry of scripture, starting in 1 John chapter 3, verse six. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. How's that sit with you? Well, I struggle with sin. Let me just tell you what I mean, what it means. There's a big difference between struggling with sin and concession to sin. If you struggle and you get it right, struggle and you get it right, that's how I wasted most of my Christianity. I wasted most of my walk with God decades and decades get, sinning, getting it right, sinning, getting it right. That's, that's struggling with sin. It's not a hell-bound condition. Concession to sin, however, is. I warn you now, that, as I've warned you before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Written to the church, to the saved, to the Galatian church, chapter five, verse 21. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So if somebody has gotten saved and goes home and lives with their girlfriend, this is them. But the modern church will tell you, you're in the process. We're marinating you. Marinating you with what? Demons? Lies? You belong to your father, the devil? And you want to carry out your father's desires? He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me? John 8, 44 and 45. What I'm telling you right now is the truth. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Now there's Christians that are baby Christians and they don't even know what sin is yet. But God will tell you and you'll have your decision to make right then. And that's where the parable of the sower comes in. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their heart, lest they should believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, fall away. 
Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who when they've heard go out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Three out of those four are not good. Just like five out of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, not good. That's the truth. Which one will you be? Will you be Smyrna and Philadelphia? Or will you be Ephesus, Thyatira, Laodicea, Pergamos, Sardis? You will decide. But when a baby Christian first gets saved, I've told this story a million times at this church. I'll tell you again. When I got saved, God told me one thing. One thing. Stop cussing. It's all I knew. I had porn all over my room. Didn't know that was sin. He didn't tell me. So I got rid of the cussing. What do you think the next thing was? Hello, porn. Hello. There's the decision. I didn't even want to get rid of the F word, but I did. So God said, lust has to go. Then you're gonna make your decision. Where are you gonna fall on the paradigm of the parable of the sower? Will you be one? Will you be two? Will you be three? Or will you be the good ground? You make your decision right now. And you listen, you gotta do this with your kids. I don't care if they're 20. I don't care if they're 30. I don't care if they're 10. You enforce the word of God. Well, you know, he's just struggling with lying right now. Now you're conflating lying with carnality. He may be struggling with selfishness. That's carnality. If he's struggling with lying, you have a hell-bound child. Tell them. Jesus would. You think Jesus is going to obfuscate the truth? You think he's going to tell lies of omissions? What would Jesus say in your own house? What would he say? Well, I don't mind if you occasionally smoke a little doobage. I ain't going to hell for that. That's the truth. Well, I only get drunk once a month, going to hell for it. Where do you get that from, Tom? That's the Bible. You have to turn from your sin. 1 John 3, 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. For he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. So if you want to be righteous, you have to live a sinless life. Tom, that's impossible. Who told you that? Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 48, be perfect, therefore just your heavenly Father's perfect. Nobody's perfect, that's a lie. You've been made perfect, now live up to what you've already attained. Philippians 3, 16. You can live a sinless life. You can. How many of you have known somebody who's just really solid in their walk with God? I can tell you there are people that are living sinless lives. Sin is very, well, yeah, well, they weren't sinless. You know, they were moody. See? First John 3, 8. He who sins is of the devil. I mean, this is, this is so, this sounds like, you know, some movie. No, this is the Bible. You, you remember when you came up? Maybe it was old school and they were singing, just as I am 
without one plea and you came up? This is who you pledged your life to. Maybe you didn't know it. Maybe you want to reconsider. This is the word of God. This is Jesus. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil is sin from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Listen to this, 1 John 3, 9 and 10. Remember the tapestry of Scripture. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. Listen to this. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone who doesn't love his brother. Whoops! That hyper-grace teaching is sending people straight to hell. Sin is not a process. It's a malignant disease that must be repented of now. That's the word of God. Fake Christians avoid repentance and avoid preaching about repentance and avoid preaching about sin. They're fakes. Proverbs 8.13. Told you you get more Bible verses here than anywhere else. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. Wait, I, 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 I want to just wrap my arms around Leah Thomas and understand where she comes from. No. No. You walk up to Bill and you tell Bill that his name is Bill and there's the men's room. That's love. That's loving. To fear the Lord is to hate that evil. And say hate the person. Hate the evil. That's what you do. And notice how the verses, it's always funny how scripture lines up. The tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. What's the next verse? He who finds a wife. Some of you haven't caught it yet. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Next verse, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Who's the big talker? And then you find your wife. It's funny how scripture lines up. Men have this many thousand words a day. Women have that many thousand words a day. If you're married to me, I'm close to a woman, so I talk a lot. It's funny how scriptures line up. But fake Christians avoid repentance. What happens is they actually construct the same narratives that the Antichrist does. Sin conscious. Oh, Tom, if you preach in the way you are right now, you're works-based. You're judgmental. Six minutes to go, everybody good? Went by fast, didn't it? So works-based, let's dive into that for just a moment, shall we? Some of you have heard me preach about this over the last year. I'm gonna preach about it again briefly. Hebrews chapter three, 18 and 19. To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? To whom did he swear that they would not be going to heaven? God swears that people aren't going to heaven? Yes, because his forgiveness is conditional. His love is not. Everybody's welcome to go through his conditional forgiveness, but you'll be loved whether you do or not. But it doesn't mean you're going to heaven. 
Doesn't mean you're gonna have an abundant life on earth. You must turn from sin to do that. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? That's what's works. This is the New Testament. This was written to the church in Jerusalem. Saved people. To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not believe. So we see that they could not enter in, verse 19, because of unbelief. So when you don't obey, when you don't turn from sin, what does that mean? Romans chapter five, verses one and two. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, right? So everything is about belief. But if you do not obey, you do not believe. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief, which goes back to my repentance montage, monologue. Repentance is a change of mind that can only be accomplished by first changing your actions. Commit thy works unto the Lord and then your thoughts will be established. People do not go to, get ready now, this will bend your mind. People do not go to hell for individual sins. They go to hell under one giant umbrella. And it's called unbelief. Because the covenant is about faith. And if you never turn from your sin, you have never entered into faith. So we see that they could not enter in because of a lack of faith, because of unbelief. That's the Bible. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Did everybody hear that? Written to the church in Jerusalem. If we deliberately keep on, I'd struggle. Deliberately just keep on sinning. Well, you know what, every year. I run a business, Tom, shut up. We've got to, you know, we've got to lie here, we've got to lie there. We do it on the QT. A QT is unbelief that will send you straight to hell. Understand it. It's all unbelief. Whenever we sin, it's because we don't believe God's enough. Whenever you modify scripture and you're Mr. or Mrs. Love, I don't tell people this because I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to do the love thing, just trying to do the love thing. You're a liar. You're an obfuscator, an omitter of truth. You're afraid of damaging relationships. You're actually honoring men above God. I've lost all kinds of friends. It scares me. It scares me to even hire Aaron. He's my friend. They all leave. Heather's like my daughter. Scared to hire her too. Travis is literally like my son. Coached him when he was in high school. I'm scared. Because I will never, ever back off the truth. Ever. I don't care. If it Listen, our first Sunday in here, we had 1,300 people in here. And people thought, you know what, he'll modify. Bull crap. No. 
I can't live with myself like that. And you ask, you ask Aaron if you want, you can get to him before me. If I ever talk to him, I always bring it back to me. I'm worse than you've ever been. He's heard me say that to him a bunch of times. If I was to compare his life to mine as far as sin, he's in his 20s. I've sinned way worse and way more times than he has as the pastor of this church. I'm honest about things. You deal with it. You, listen, what, what good does it do with a, God who, with a God who sees straight to the heart to pretend? What good does it do? Well, everybody around thinks I'm solid. Good for you. I've even got Tom fooled. You probably don't. God's given me the gift of discernment. I see you whack jobs from a mile away. I dealt with one a couple weeks ago in here, coming up to give me his advice on the, and, and his correction in his first time he ever attended the church. And I said to Aaron, I said, I should have brought you with me. Because Aaron is like, you have Heather, my wife, Hope, and Aaron all are absent a soul. <laughs> when COVID started, everybody else when they walked into Walmart and you were approached, I'm trying to think of a more extreme assaulted, that's good, assaulted by the COVID Nazi maskers. Can we, can we get you a mask? Get you a mask? Here's Aaron's response. You ready? No. <laughs> now, if it was me, I would have been like, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. When I was walking the streets of New York City, Norma had to tell me, Dad, stop talking to them because everyone would approach me because everyone's trying to sell stuff or pick your pockets. And I'm, oh, yeah, what, what, do, you, what do you need? <laughs> Sir, can we interest you? Uh, oh, oh, well, I don't want to be rude. Dad, ignore them. And I wished I brought Aaron with me because Aaron would have just gone, let me talk to him. Or worse, Heather. Or worse, my wife goes up. There's all kinds of Christians living in delusion. I'm going a little bit long. I got to cover the backslidden Christian. We'll be out the door by 1210. Is everybody good with that? If you're not, we'll be out at 1209. I will close in a hurry at the end, just for everybody. Romans 11, 9, 19 through 22. This is for the backslidden Christian. We've already talked about the world, talked about the fake Christian, now the backslidden Christian, and we'll do this briefly. You will say then, branches were broken off so that I, would be, I could be grafted in. Speaking of the Gentiles in relationship to the Jews. Paul writes, granted, verse 20, but they were broken off because of, you see it? To whom, did they, to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not, did not obey, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. And you, stand by, and you stand by faith. Don't be arrogant, but tremble. Is that what they teach you in the church? Tremble? You ought to. They teach you to be happy all the time. 
When James tells us, you know what, sometimes it is time to wail and mourn. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. Where do you get this from? Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you. Oh, praise you, Lord. Kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. And Christians think they can't lose their salvation. Oh, really? Let's look. John 15, 6. If any, speaking of branches... If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Did you tell your kids that they can never lose their salvation because they said a sinner's prayer at a VBC when they were four? And now they're in high school, you know they're out having sex, and you don't say a thing because they're eternally secure? It's not what the Bible says. What if they die in that same car they're having sex in? See, this is real stuff. This is real Christianity. This is heavy. It's heavy. Look at our world. Two years it took to us to get on the precipice of the mark of the beast. It's serious business. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Take a stand. It won't hurt. Hebrews chapter six, four through eight. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. Since they have crucified again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Tom, but I've fallen away. You telling me I'm beyond repentance? Look at me. Are you interested in repenting? Then you're not beyond it. Oh, I've fallen away and gotten my life right. Then you haven't reached this verse yet. They're beyond repentance. They're beyond caring. All the while believing they're saved. This is written to the church. For it is impossible for those once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away to renew them again to repentance, let's not blot out scriptures. Because they make us uncomfortable or they make us uncomfortable about the people around us. Maybe you've got family members who go to lukewarm churches that are slowly but surely or even quickly even and even more surely embracing the world, starting to call homosexuality acceptable, starting to call hymns hers, and they're all evangelicals. Watch yourself. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Heard me say it a million times, the people who turned Rodney Howard Brown in for keeping his church open in March of 2020 were other pastors who actually, it's right out of Jude chapter three, who secretly slipped in among you. Turned him in. 
At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Why does the love of most grow cold? What kills off their love? What turns them into the church of Ephesus? The increase of wickedness. Christians go, I'm gonna love more, and I'm gonna love more, and I'm gonna, no. It's the increase of wickedness. It's the acceptance of wickedness that kills off your love. Not your love that kills off wickedness. If it's wicked, what should you say? That's wicked. I do. Well, you have no friends. I got friends. You gotta be awfully tough, but I've got friends. Back to Hebrews, chapter six, verse seven. For the earth, which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom, by whom it is cultivated, receives blessing from God. But listen to this. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. Man, this is rough. It's the Bible. God's not calling you to be perfect. No, he's calling you to be made perfect. In order to be made perfect, you have to turn from your sin. Worship team, make your way. I'll close here. I'm gonna finish in 2 Peter chapter three. Because what I've been preaching is not preached. Stay with me now. I know there's movement. Stay with me. This is important. Because what I've been preaching is not preached, because the Bible is not preached, Christians are caught unaware. They're caught unaware. They're unready. They're like the, they're like the parable of the 10 virgins, the virgins without the oil. And they are currently unaware, right now at this very moment, oblivious to the unfolding of the book of Revelation all around them. So Tom, should I be hearing right now ominous music and you know, thinking about back, you know, to the movies that I saw as a Christian, as, you know, as a young Christian where, you know, the film where they cut all the Christians' heads off and the ominous music and the end times is horrible. No. We missed the worst of it. We're gone at Revelation chapter 14. Many chapters after that we'll never experience. We'll see the beginnings of sorrows. That's where we're in right now. But it's up to us whether or not to win this generation. If you stand, you say what needs to be said, starting with your family. I have many people approach me for ministries. How's your family doing? One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? First Timothy three, uh, First Timothy chapter three, verses four and five. They, want, they come and they approach, they approach me for ministry. Take care of your house first. If you're, if you're afraid to tell the truth in your house, you're not gonna tell the truth here at a Bible study. Preach the word instantly, in season, out of season, reproving, rebuking, exhorting with all long suffering and doctrine. Finishing with this. The church, oblivious to what's going on around them. 2 Peter 3.10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Here's the part I want you to hear. 2 Peter 3, 11 and 12. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved. Look all around you. Everybody, seriously, look all around you. Look at all around you. Since all these things will be dissolved. 
what manner of persons ought you to be? Since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? It's so works-based. You were taught a false gospel. This is the real gospel and holy conduct and godliness. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The church isn't ready because the church doesn't get the gospel preached to them. But thank God, you and I do. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person or watching online, that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you, and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I now turn from them. And I give you my life from this day on. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.